Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. My wife's going to share right now and speak, so preach it, honey, preach it. Shalom, Koldodi. Ken and I have been back this time in Nashville for almost 20 years. In those 20 years, there have been highs and lows, especially since 2020 all the way almost to the end of 2021. It has been the toughest time that I can tell you I have experienced in my life. Nothing can compare the thing that has happened to us with pain, loss, betrayal, and just lots of different things in our life that we just couldn't imagine. But God knows why these things happen. And we just have to be very close to him and hear the still small voice to see what he wants to impart to us and what he wants to make of all these things. Pain verifies the certainty of our faith and clarifies what is important and what is not, and what is now. It has a way of purifying our motives, purifying our hearts, and pain also weaponizes us and makes us a threat to the darkness because of the, of the way it changes us. So don't be afraid of pain because it will make you more like Yeshua. So I start now every day of my life since bad things started happening to us that didn't make sense with a carpet DM. Seize the moment, seize the day. And uh, my verse that I recite every day is, uh, this is the day that the Lord has brought about. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Sehayon asa Adonai. Nagila benismeha bo. Este es el día que nuestro Señor ha hecho. Nos regocijaremos y alegraremos en él. Accept each day just as it comes to you. Remembering that God is sovereign over your life. Rejoice in this day that he has made. Trusting that he is abundantly present in it. Instead of regretting or resenting the way things are, thank him in all circumstances. Trust him and don't be fearful. Thank him and rest in him. This verse also he, he commanded us to, to do in First Thessalonians 5.18. It says, 
thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give thanks. For this is the will of God for you who are in Messiah Yeshua. He is the Redeemer and Mediator of that will. So we stand on him and we rejoice because by rejoicing and thank him, we are able to start and trust firm in him. So I've been studying a lot about being rooted in him and the fruit and so on because you all know we are not perfect. We all sometimes have uh, big blind spot, spots that we can see our personality, how we are, and all that. And we have been created to have fellowship with God and with one another. And how can we have fellowship with one another if we are blinded by those blind spots and we cannot operate in that special root and fruit that the God, that the Lord has created in us. So, storms are one of the ways God reveals the roots and fruits in our life. He did to me. Deep roots endure storms, and the worst winds can't, cannot uproot them. Although storms are bound to come, there are many promises and warnings in the, in the Word of God. And one of them is that we will experience suffering, heartache, and loss. Our hearts can become entangled when this happens, but storms will ultimately reveal the health of our root system. So, my question, what type of fruit should we produce even in the midst of life storms? What? In Isaiah 37, 31 says, As the remnant has, that has survived for the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. This is a principle that says to make root downward, deep, fairness, permanent, before you can bear fruit outward. So how are we going to do that? We're going we're gonna to go over it in just a minute. In this, in, in this verse, says that Judah shall take root and bear fruit. Judah means, you know, praise. So how, how is one of the ways that we can take that root? By praising him, right? Means praise. The more we praise God, the deeper our roots will go in God. And our time in his word will produce good fruit. As believers, we must be rooted in order to bear fruit. The deeper your root goes, the more fruit and better quality that you will produce. And with all these uh, deep roots, we can stand all the storms and be able to bear fruit. So, uh, I have, uh, how are we going to achieve this? By doing life with God. Doing life with God and our Messiah and surrendering everything to him. Surrender everything. If you don't surrender, you are not going to be happy in this life. Because he knows what is best for us. And he has promised to take care of us. So if you surrender, he will do it. 
So in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, it says, As you have, therefore, received Messiah Yeshua the Lord, walk, that means regulate your life and conduct yourself in union with and conformity to him. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him, fixed and founded in him, being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, yes, as you were tough and abounding and overflowing in with thanksgiving. We need to overflow with thanksgiving. So we worship, we thank, we understand, and we have thanksgiving to him. And it's a command. It says in, as it says in Colossians, please write it down, 2, 6, and 7. You have to be rooted, planted in him. That's the only way that you are going to be able to be a right um, messenger of Jesus. Okay. Yeshua, as I said before, Yeshua wants us to bear good fruits as described in Galatians 5, 24. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Messiah Yeshua have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Oh boy, did God reveal to me that all these fruits were dormant in me. What about love, Francis? What about goodness? What about kindness? What about forbearance? What about patience? So the Lord have to uh, get me go through fire, big, big fire, to cleanse, to change, to transform, so that I can be a mirror of him. Do I fail? Yes, I fail. Why? Because it's a growing process. And it doesn't matter because the Lord said there is no condemnation for him who has trusted him. So he forgive us. You know, you mess it up. You didn't do it right. It doesn't matter. Just get up and rise up and thank you, God. Thank you because you are revealing who I am. Thank you because you are showing me that I need to walk so close to you because there's no other way. So, again, so he's going to use these storms, these bad things that have happened to us to reveal our strife, our jealousy, our anger, it's, it's our wrong desires, etc. So my question is, is there something in your life that is weakening the root system in your heart? For example, unforgiveness. Last night I spent lots of time with the Lord praying for unforgiveness because he really has to get rid from that awful uh, unforgiving spirit that I have in my heart completely. And I have to surrender everything to him and say, deal with it. I need to, to forgive and just keep going on with you. So what is, what is stopping you to have deep, deep root? How do we com combat the weeds the enemy wants to plant in our hearts? How do we deepen our roots so they bear fruit and are healthy? Well, there are many ways. 
Many that I can think of, I'm sure you can think a lot of different ones, but one I can think of is prayer. Deep roots come from having an intimate and personal relationship with God, and we need to have access, that's what I was going to say, to living water to keep healthy. What is living water? For us believers, that water is what? Who can tell me? Holy Spirit. Prayer, right? Prayer, yes, prayer. Reading his word, diving into what he has promised and said to us, and being in community with one another. Because he has created us not to be alone, isolated, but he has created us to have fellowship with us. Here at Koldodi, we are a community. And hopefully, we are going to grow day by day with our imperfections, with our mistakes, but we're going to take one day at a time, and we are going to get better, and we are really going to love one another, and we are going to really care for one another. And that difference is going to make that others would want to come to Koldodi because they see that even in spite of all our mistakes or the things that we have not done, of, in spite of our imperfections, we want to please God. We want to follow him, and we want to do his will. In Psalm 1, 2, and 3, it says, But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he habitually meditates, ponders, studies by day and by night. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, ready to bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. May this is my prayer that you all will want that to be firmly planted in him so that we can be like those streams of water. And we are going to bring fruit in his season. Yes? yes? Amen. As we delight in God's word, we will, we will be as trees planted by the stream of water. So just say, very abundant fruit. Now, prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is our lifeline, right? That provides us access to who God is and what he, what he has for us. God wants our whole heart and communication with him. He has promised that he will answer us. Our roots will be strengthened, and slowly the fruit will come. Look at Psalm 34. I've been meditating also a lot in Psalm 34. And you know what? If you just read Psalm 34, okay, that's a great. But you don't know the context, the history, what happened in Psalm 34. David had first pretended that he was mad, that he was crazy, so that nothing will happen to him. And then he had run to a cave, to a cave in Adulum, right? Um, he, that psalm is one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 34. He's just praising God, unbelievable. But he's not alone. There's other people that have gone with him in the cave also because they have fear. And together, they have been praising the God with all this. And I just want to share two verses. It says, uh, Psalm 34, 4, 6, and 7, it says, I sought the Lord and required him as my own necessity on the authority of his word. And he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. 
and save him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, who reveres him, who worship him with awe, and each of them he delivered. Promises, our incredible promises from the Lord. And it says, Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you do not know, have knowledge or you don't understand. So he has promised that he will reveal. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him, he sincerely and in truth. Make me your servant to rejoice, O Lord, to you, for, for to you do I lift myself up. For you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive all our trespasses. And it keeps going on. So my question, are you regularly pouring out your heart to God in prayer? Are you? It says to pray in season and out of season, without ceasing, all the time. All the time we must be calling his name and just having a great communion with him. So I want to talk about a little bit, just to finish, community. Okay. From the very beginning of creation, God created us to be in relationship with each other. We are created for community and friendship. And God intended for us to work together and help each other through life. We were created to share the burdens of life together. So if I have deep roots and all that, and I have the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are related to people. Are you showing forgiveness? Are you being kind? Are you going patient, forbearant with one another? Just as Jesus said. So he will do that. So how does your actions demonstrate your love to others? Think about that. We have started all over again a year ago, as Crystal mentioned, and we are so grateful. I want to tell you personally how thankful I am to all of you for standing with us because Ken and I would not have been able to do anything alone. We need that community. We need the body. We need the people. So that's nice. We are all here together. But I want to bring you, I want to challenge you with this verse. First Peter 4.10, it says, as each of you have received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment, employ it for one another, as befits good trustees of God. Many cite the grace as faithful stewards, extremely diverse powers, and gift granted to believers. What is all that? Well, in the message, it says the following. Be generous with the different things God gave you. Passing them around, so all get on it. If words, let it be words. God's words. God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Yeshua. And he will get us all great as the one mighty in everything. And amen. God wants us to do beautiful things. He wants us to, to, to do life with one another. He wants us to be patient with one another. He wants us to be loving. He wants us to be faithful. 
So we need to draw near to him every day. So situations, many situations that we might have experienced might have been bad in our life, but it doesn't matter. Again, you give everything to God. And what is my prayer for you? One of my prayers, he says, am I unconvinced, unsure of this very thing? That he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Messiah Yeshua, up to the time of his return, developing and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Our great, greater ministry will come out of our deepest heart because he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Second Corinthians 1, 4. I love you. Thank you. And I know next week is Thanksgiving. Uh, some of you might have a hard time, like I do, during this season. But it doesn't matter, you know. We have our best friend. We have our comforter. We have the one who takes care of us. And think if things does not make sense of what things are happening right now in your life, just submit it to God. Ask him to speak to your inner ear and to tell you why he has us in that situation. And I'm telling you he's going to tell you because he's purifying us. He wants us to mirror him. He wants us to be able vessels to help others and to see them growing just like us. Love you guys. And turn to Genesis 24. Father, we just thank you for these things that Francis shared, Lord, and uh, that our root system may grow good. Love that verse, Isaiah 37, 31, that our roots would go deep, that we'll bear, uh, go, roots will go downward, and we'll bear fruit upward, Lord, and, and be rooted in you, Lord, and we just thank you, Lord. We pray you bless this continued time, Lord, of studying in your word and in the parsha today in Genesis 24, and uh, that you would use this passage, Lord, even maybe to guide some people in godly matrimony uh, today, Lord, that are single with this beautiful passage of Scripture. We pray in Yeshua's name. Open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Uh, Genesis 24 so we're, that's where we are, and that's what I want to focus in this passage today for a little bit. Uh, Isaac is still single, and he needs to find a wife to be able to carry on the promises that God will make Abraham a great nation. This was before Bumble, online dating, or the Messianic matchmaker, which we didn't join uh, yet, but we want to, we support it. I mean, it's glad, it's a wonderful thing, but the only thing is they only do Jewish believers, you know, and I wanted something that would, you know, reach, be for all believers in our congregation, so I, so we haven't partnered yet with them, but I know it's a great ministry, and I understand it, uh, totally, totally, but it's a, it's a great, great ministry that they have to bring Jewish believers together, and I believe in that. Um, but it's uh, parents at this time that we're reading about in Genesis 24 were still involved in the matchmaking of their children. And Abraham appoints his trusted servant as his agent for this crucial mission. Believe it or not, without Google Maps or Waze, 
which was invented in Israel, by the way. He has to travel 450 miles to approximately to Abraham's native land, and he asks God to give him a sign to point him in the right direction to highlight who would be a suitable wife for Yitzchak, for Isaac. And in Jewish terminology, this would be called finding one's beshert, one's match. So three things I'd like to to mention about this beautiful uh, bringing together or this finding of this match for Isaac about this. And the two, really, the second two are really kind of go together. But calling, character, and compassion. Um, Calling, character, calling her calling and background. It's very important, calling and background. And when we're looking at two people coming together and you're looking for a prospective mate or spouse, calling is very important. And background is very important. But calling in the Lord. And then character is this beautiful story. How many love this story? I mean, of, of uh, you know, really two selfless servants, really, in this story. Uh, the servant who is Abraham's servant, Avdi, my servant. Uh, he's the servant of Abraham, uh, and he even de- identifies himself that way. The servant of Abraham, rather, am I. Servant of Abraham is I. Nameless, uh, anonymous, so to speak, the you know, rabbinic tradition says this was Eliezer. Was it Eliezer? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I'm not convinced it was, personally, but it may have been. He was his right-hand man. He's mentioned in you know, Genesis um, 15. But it never mentions him, and there's a reason for that, which I'll mention in a second, I think. But calling, character, and then compassion two selfless servants are the servant of Abraham and Rebecca herself, this woman this, that he finds, Rivka. She is amazing, and you just love reading about her. The compassion she has to not only take care of, to, to give uh, the servant drink when he's thirsty and has traveled all that time, but also his um, cattle, right? His cattle, did I get that right? No? Oh, his camels. Okay, there you go. Okay, just seeing if you're listening. His camels, right, his camels. How many camels? Ten camels. That's a lot of drinking. He says in uh, verse, chapter 23, 4, verse 3, Abraham tells him before he leaves, you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. The thing I want you to really focus, I want you to miss, is God's guidance, how God guides us. And there's a couple Hebrew words that are amazing on this. God doesn't guide us by chance. There's no accidents, no coincidences with God. God guides us providentially. God arranges things for us. Isn't that amazing? He, He orders our steps in Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he'll not... He'll, he'll not utterly stumble. And uh, God delights us. You know, the steps of a man ordered by the Lord. It's amazing. And we see this. I had a couple incidents yesterday, you know, in my life where I said, I'm going to stop at Costco and get a hot dog. Now, I know hot dogs aren't good for you, but you can't resist a hot dog at Costco. They're $1.50, and they are big and delicious, and they're all beef. And who did I bump into but the parents of a friend of mine that I... Uh, had actually partnered with in, in uh, pickleball and, uh, and done real well with. 
and I know the, I wanted to meet the mom who's Israeli. I knew the mom is Israeli. And so I've been trying to get to meet her. So they're there because it was a veteran's day. They were also having veterans, so, and they were both, the parents had served in the U.S. military. But she was Israeli. She lived several, I think five years at least. Anyway, bottom line is I got to meet them. I said, I invite them to the Hanukkah, our Hanukkah party. I said, I want to invite them. So uh, anyway, I had a great meeting with them, but all because I wanted a hot dog. So, so, but the Lord ordered my steps, and I was just so excited, you know. I just said, you know, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that our people might be saved. I want them to come. And, you know, she wanted, she says, I can come and help the children with Hebrew. She wants to help. already. <laughs> she says, I give, teach them how to pronounce the Hebrew properly. I said, God ordering our steps. But this is what happens in this story. It's so great to see how God orders our steps. Now, I want to give you two words for that in a minute. But Hebrew words. Uh, that are in this chapter relating to God's providential guidance, how God guides us and how it works. Uh, so he says, but he says in verse 3, don't take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Beware, verse 6, that you don't take my son back there. Now Canaan, remember, Canaan was cursed by Noah, Genesis 20, uh, 9.25. So they were not, Israel, the Jewish people, not to intermarry with the Goyim, with the, uh, those of the nations, and to assimilate. Deuteronomy 7, verses 4 through 6, for he will turn your son away from following me to serve other gods. For you are a holy people to Adonai your God. From all the peoples of the face of the earth, Adonai your God has chosen you to be his treasured people. So, just practically, if I'm a Jewish believer, I'm a Messianic Jew, I probably want that person to be Jewish, just practical, you know. Now, it's in the, if I'm a believer that's in the Lord, I pray God may not lead me that way, but he may. But he may. But that may be normally it's probably going to be the preferred choice. Um, and if you're from another ethnic background, it might be similar a factor or it might not be. It's between as, as God leads you and as you're, you know, you and your family. But if you're a believer, let me be very clear. If you're a believer, you're not to be unequally yoked. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 16. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? What accord has Messiah with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. 1 Corinthians 7, 39 says, if the believer remarries, person die, the spouse dies, and remarries, says he, should, he can remarry, he should remarry, but remarry in the Lord. So do it in the Lord. You remarry in the Lord. In other words, someone who is a follower of Yeshua. And remember, when you're talking about believers, it's saying someone who's following the Lord. It's not just saying someone who said, oh, I, I believe in Jesus. You know, I, I've had a, you know, it's talking about these pe people, and as you're reading in the New Covenant, these are people, everyone's following the Lord. They've made a decision that's costing them something. And uh, we, we who are Jewish, you know, believers and many other backgrounds know that when you accepted Yeshua, it cost you something. And if you didn't, I... That's unfortunate because you need to, to, at some point, experience some uh, a price for your faith to, in order for you, as Francis just shared, to have those root systems grow strong. You say, what if I married someone? What if I didn't follow that? Well, God can work things for good, and God, can, God will. He will through prayer. But 
I'm giving you the right way. You want to find, you're supposed to find a believer. You're supposed to find a believer, uh, not be unequally yoked. If you didn't, if it's, you know, past, you can't change it now, God can turn it around. You pray for your spouse to become a believer, and you're going to get others to intercede. Secondly, character. This woman is asked for a drink, and she gives him, she's self-sacrificing. She has amazing kindness. And she also not just gives him to drink, but also to your camels. Also to your camels, she offers. She goes beyond what's expected or required. It's the test of kindness, uh, noticing without being told. She's tuned into what we call chesed, and chesed is mentioned, I think, four times in this chapter. Notice she takes the initiative, and I want to say something. Don't wait to be asked. If you see a need, meet it. Go meet the need. In the Lord. Go meet the, meet the need. That's what this woman is amazing. The word chesed is, means to love as deed. It's to love as deed is a great translation of that word. Loyal love. Devoted to devote and give oneself entirely to. It is used four times in this chapter. That's the mean. So here is this how God guides. Look at verse 12. When he prays, he says, he goes, he leaves and he goes on his journey and in verse 12, he says, uh, Adonai, the God of Abraham, my master, he said, please, Adonai, the God of my master, he says, please make something happen before me today. I'm reading TLV translation. And show chesed to Abraham, my master. Make something happen. That's a good translation. I like it. Here, here it's good. Make something, and this word is kara. Let's say the word kara. Kara, all right? Kara. It means to occur to occur, to meet, to meet without prior intent, to encounter, to happen. Uh, in other words, providence, not chance. Arrange, it can mean to arrange. So here is divine direction. So from divine viewpoint, from God's viewpoint, there's no such thing for the child of God, for you and I, as accidents and coincidence. It, things are arranged as we pray. Think of the book of Esther, you know, that amazing book where God's name isn't mentioned, but we see one thing after another where it's like, and it just, it's almost like it just so happened that, you know, Mordecai comes in at this time and Haman does this and, you know, all these things just happen. Amazing story that, of course, we read it, the uh, holiday of Purim or Purim. Psalm 37, 23, I already mentioned, you know, the Lord directs a person's steps and he delights in his way. Well, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. That's what it really means. Acknowledge him, really. It's yada. Know him. Relationship. It's all intimacy with him. And he will direct your steps. He'll direct my steps as I as I'm relating, knowing him. What the servant prays here is he says, literally, cause to occur, please, before my face today, in the Hebrew. That's what it lifne hayom, before my face today. Cause to occur is this word, uh, the word kara that he uses. And in verse 14, she will say to me, drink, he's praying, says, this is the, the fleece, so to speak, he says, as we say, laying of fleece. He says, she will say, drink, and also water your camels. The word vagam there, I just like it. Gam, let's say the word gam. Gam is also, also. Vagam and also, and also water your camels. 
Let her be the one you've appointed, he says, the one you've, yachach, you've decided to be the one that is for my master's son, Isaac. And don't you love verse 15? It says, before he had finished speaking, and behold, Rebekah came forth. Before he finished even the prayer, before he finished this prayer, praying for God to, you know, for this right woman for his master's son, Rebecca comes. Isaiah 65, verse 24, you have to think of that verse with this. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. God, hearing our prayers before we even finish, he can answer sometimes. And this word gum that I mentioned, it's used three times in this story, because the story is repeated. It's such an important story that, by the way, it's reiterated in this lengthy, longest chapter in the book of Genesis. It's reiterated three times in detail. So it's a, such a powerful story. It says, uh, I'll also, gum, water your camels. It's interesting. I don't know the, I don't know the uh, significance of it, but gum also and camels is gamal. A camel is gamal. Same two of the Hebrew, of the same letters. She didn't even ask him if he wanted her to. That's what's amazing about it. You know, you'd think she could have waited and said, well, he could have waited until he asked her, said, would you also take care of these camels? She didn't. She just saw the need and she said, can I take care of your camels also? She says, I'll also draw water for your camels until they have finished drinking. Now, he had to wait until he was finished drinking himself to know and then she said, also your camels I'll take care of in verse 20. Now, in their first drink, 10 camels would consume at least 140 gallons of water, according to what I read. A typical camel of the Middle East can drink 25 to 40 gallons in one drink. Now, Joshua, Aaron, I, hate, I, I wasn't going to point you out because now I don't want everyone to flock to you, Josh. But, <laughs> but is that, I don't know, if he'll, he can tell you if that's true or not. <laughs> Because he lives there. Anyway, and I know he's wrote, ridden on a camel before. <laughs> the car's thirsty as well. Oh, boy. So, well, that's what I have. So, a typical camel, 25 to 40 gallons in one drink. So just what a task for her to do this. I mean, this is incredible. And for doing it for strangers, for a stranger. So the camels to be done drinking, verse 22, 10 camels. I can't, I just wonder how long back and forth she's going to the well, back and forth, hours it probably took her, hours to do this. And so she's finished. She's probably so exhausted, sweaty, can imagine. And he said, no way, I'm not taking you for... <laughs> I mean, what an, what an amazing woman this Rebecca was. My dad, when I asked him, I'd been married and my wife had left and remarried after six years, I think, of marriage. And she had, you know, left with someone else and been married. And I was single for like six years, I will say. And, and I, but I wanted to, you know, I, I knew I was going to get remarried. And I prayed. And I remember asking my dad once, you know, so what do you, you know, what do you think? What do you look for in, in a wife? And, um, and he, I remember him saying, he says, says, find a giver. Find a giver. You always remember him saying that. And I said, so I want to say I found one. I really did find one. Here. 
we're 34 years. I really did. It really is. And I really mean that. I really mean that. Nothing to me doesn't give to me, but she, no. <laughs> no, we really, really did. She really, I can really say that. In marriage, I want to just say that that's true both ways. Marriage is not, as someone said, not 50-50. It's 100-100. And when the Bible says, I like to quote this. It's been a long time since I've said this, but I love this. This is something I, I felt I saw from, in the scriptures a long time ago. It's so simple, but it's, listen to this. When it says, wives submit, when the Bible says, wives submit to your husbands, who is it speaking to? Wives submit to your husbands. Who's it talking to? But who's it saying? It says, wives, right? It's not, it's not talking to you, husbands. It's not your business to say, my wife's supposed to submit to me. That is not your business. He doesn't talk to you. He's talking to your wife, not to you. I cannot say to my wife, you need to submit to me. It's not written to me. When it says, husbands, love your wives. Who is it speaking to? Husbands, yeah. So, same thing. <laughs> you as a wife... Don't tell your husband, you need to love me. It's not written to you. I mean, of course, we can, you know, we know we need to communicate to each other and, and talk about these things, you know, in a marriage and stuff. It's important. But do you see what I'm saying? The thing is, the, the, I think a lot of problems in the marriage is that we get our eyes on the wrong, on what's not written to us, what's written to someone else. We say, well, that's what their job's supposed to be instead of what my job is to be. My job is to be, I'm supposed to love my wife, and I'm not worried about, I'm not supposed to be what she's supposed to be doing for me. It's what I'm supposed to be doing for her. And vice versa, it's the same. Marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. And a lot of problems could be solved uh, if, if we could have our right viewpoint. Don't you think? I think so. It could be helpful anyway. And um, the Lord, he says in verse 27, 24-27, the Lord has guided me. Here it is, guided, another one, guided me, guided me in the way. And this is the word nacha. Let's say nacha, nacha, nacha. It means, can mean a bunch of things, satisfied, led to a, a goal, conducting one along the right path. He conducts us along the right path, and he guides us. It's, it's mentioned again further down. And when he says in verse 34, he then, who are you, you know? He says, a servant of Abraham am I. Now, Eliezer, Abraham's senior servant, was he, was he Eliezer, Abraham's senior servant, or was he another? Was he Eliezer, or was he anonymous? Eight times I counted, and I hope I get this, have this right. I may have missed something, but I think eight times he's called Evid, or servant, in this chapter. And ten times he's called man, but never mentions Eliezer. Doesn't, not saying it's not. But here's a great rabbi said, Rabbi uh, Zalmanov said this, I love this. By his name not being mentioned, we learn that this was not about Eliezer the person, this was about the mission. Eliezer was so dedicated to Abraham that at no time did his own self-interest get in the way of fulfilling that mission. He was a mere servant, an extension of Abraham's hand. I like that. It's not about me. So whether it was Eliezer or not, this was Abraham's servant. It's not, I don't, my name doesn't need to be mentioned. And God's saying, his name does, it's not about him. It's about his master. 
and fulfilling and the mission that he's on. This man is unnamed. This nameless servant is left intentionally unidentifiable. My identity, my identity is swallowed up. Your identity is swallowed up in my master and his mission. We will be given a new names written on white stones for overcoming Revelation 2.17. The 144,000 will have the sons and the fathers' names written on their foreheads. Revelation 14.1. I'm anonymous. Not I, Paul says. Not I, but Messiah in that sense. In that sense, Galatians 2.20. Paul says we are as unknown, as unknown, and yet well-known. So we have names, and we'll, God will give us names, but, the, but God knows us. That's what counts. 2 Corinthians 6, 9, as unknown and yet well-known to him. I love it, don't you? In 2448, it says, the Lord who guided me, uses this word nacha again, he guided me on the true way. He's guiding me the right way. He's guiding me. Psalm 16, verse 8, I have set Adonai in front of me continually. Because he's at my right hand, I won't totter, the Hebrew says. I won't falter. I won't totter. No shakiness because he's at my right hand. And this word set, I've set the Lord before me. I mentioned it in Devash Lafi this week. I, I hadn't seen it before, but it's, it means to level, to, to smooth out. So it's used of the, the planter. You're, you're planting the farmer. You're planting crops. You smooth out, remove every obstruction in the soil before you're planting. So I've set the Lord before me. And I thought of Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. We also, therefore, we also surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us let it lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with patience, run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Yeshua, the author and finish of our faith. Unplanned encounters, God guiding us, chance meetings, which are not chance, they're sovereignly arranged. The woman at the well, Zacchaeus, Luke 19, the layman at the temple, the thief on the cross. Not accidents, not coincidence, not chance meetings. The heart of a man plans his course, but the Lord, Adonai, directs his steps, Proverbs 16:9. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way, Psalm 25, verse 9. Well, she says when they, they want to leave after they go to the family and everything in the end of this chapter, verses 55 and 56, we see that they're ready to leave. They're going to leave to go back to the master and back to Abraham, back on the journey, that lengthy journey. And something happens. The family says, wait a minute. Her brother with her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days or 10. And really, it's hard to interpret it different ways. It could be years. It could be yamim, days. It could be years. It's, but afterwards, she may go. But he said to them, don't delay me since Adonai has made my way successful. Send me off so I can go to my master. This is from the enemy, so to speak. This is, you know, someone would say it's like 
getting cold feet. Maybe they get cold feet or second thoughts. You know, like now that wait a minute, now that we're thinking about this, and they wanted the money. By the way, Laban liked the money, the brace, gold bracelets, and the gold nose earring. From what I gather, he's he's going after the money. But now he's thinking, do I really want to let her go? And you know, so stay a while. And the servant says, nope, nope. He says, you know, and so there's a principle here because you know, you don't. Uh, when you know what to do. When God has spoken, when it's clear that he's revealed his will in something, folks, don't postpone carrying it out. That's what the the enemy will attempt to sabotage the plan many times. Have you ever seen it happen? Have you experienced it? Yeah, you have. I remember when I, you know, that happened when I remember leaving, leaving university to go to Bible college. I mean, and all of a sudden, you know, Things, all of a sudden, these offers come, you know. I mean, different things, when, when you're tempted, when God reveals the time, and I can, I'm sure I can think of many things, we get different things in our lives. But I remember one fellow that said, you know, all of a sudden, his mother, his parents said, no, you can't leave, you know, don't do that. He, he was called to, to leave, to follow the Lord and to, to learn the, the word of God. And, and he said, no, you'll, we're, you're the last one to do the family business. And we'll, we'll, you can't, you've got to do it. And uh, so he didn't. To this, and then he stopped. He never served the Lord, never followed the Lord. So Yeshua said, uh, he said to another, follow me. And he said in Luke chapter 9, he said, first let me go bury my father. But Yeshua said, let the dead bury the dead. Now I know this is strong, but you have to look at the, but this is what happened in the context there. Yeshua said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, master, but first let me go say goodbye to those that are home. But Yeshua said, no one who has put his hand to the plow and looked back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's the end of Luke chapter 9. When God has revealed something very clearly, then the enemy will try to sabotage it. And things will come, and he can even use the closest ties we have sometimes to try to say, don't do it, don't do it, you know. So you've you got to discern. There's a time to, to, to say, I've got to still follow through with this. Sorry, but we've got to follow through. These two servants were amazing, and uh, they, they give us an amazing model to follow, and there were many in the Bible this way. There are amazing examples in the Bible of of these anonymous servants like this servant here. But how wonderful God guided. How wonderful he does guide. How faithful he does direct our steps uh, and arrange our path beyond anything that we can plan when we set, us, set the Lord before us, when we, when we trust him and uh, put our way before him. And God, remember this. Our culture loves actors, athletes, and achievers. God loves attitude. Our culture celebrates affluence, power, and wealth. The God of heaven celebrates character. The cosmos looks to outward beauty. The creator, our creator, redeemer, looks upon inner beauty. And that's what we see in this beautiful, beautiful story. Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture and what it teaches us. And we thank you for your faithfulness to guide and direct and bring people together and answer prayer in your wonderful way. And uh, we, we thank you, Lord, that you are the living God and you don't fail us. And if you're listening today, you're here today or you're watching online and 
You've never trusted Yeshua personally. You've never made that decision to say, Yeshua, I want to I give my life to God. I want to trust you, God. I'm open. Don't put it off. This is the right time right now, or you wouldn't be listening, if you, or you wouldn't be thinking about it. Think about it. Say yes to God. Say, just humble yourself. Say, Lord, I want to be your servant. I want to know you. I want to have this forgiveness, this feeling of freedom, of knowing my sins are forgiven, of knowing I have a relationship with the living God, and your love, your forgiveness, your etern- an eternal life. So, Lord, save me, rescue me, give me, come into my life today, right now. I, I'm receiving you. I'm trusting you. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. And if you're praying that, please contact us if you're watching, and we'll contact you and help you in any way we can. If you're here, please come, and some amazing people will, are going to be here to pray with you afterwards, seal that decision. Just pray, pray with you. Praise the Lord. Ya era donai panavelecha veikhuneka Isa donai panavelecha veasemlecha Blesses you and keeps you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you and is gracious unto you. The Lord bestows his favor upon you and gives you his peace. Amen. B'shem Yeshua. Amen.